Find your Bible. Find a Bible. If you don't, you can look up here on the screen. But it's always good for you to check up on me and make sure I'm not making none of this up, right? 1 Samuel chapter 17, as I'm going through my Bible and looking for 1 Samuel. It's Thanksgiving. You got the best and you got the worst of family, you know? You, it's, you can't tell me it's not a whole world of emotions that you sometimes go through. And ladies, I'm not so naive as not to think that you don't bear the burden of the holiday meals. Please, if I could make this suggestion, tell your husbands what it is that you expect of them and what it is that you desire to see them do. Please don't expect them to read your minds, okay? Communication is key, okay? Don't, don't expect him to just automatically know what it is you want and then tear his head off when he doesn't do it. <laughs> I'm not implying anything about Stephanie. <laughs> this is just a, a generalization, okay? And so we'll, we'll beat up on the men a little bit too. Men, try to be a little bit sympathetic. Try to be a little bit intuitive as to what it is that your darling needs from you and how you can help make the holiday in her eyes a success too, not just yours, okay? So, do we cover all the bases? The kids are all downstairs. We'll beat up on them later. Um, anyhow, do we cover everything well enough? Okay, get going, Brad. All right, it's like this. First Samuel chapter 17. It's a story, it's probably the most known Bible in the story, I would think, just about. The whole story of David and Goliath, Okay. Um, I'll pick up, what verse am I picking up here? Let's say this. Okay, let's pick up at verse 40. Right? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a very familiar story. We know, you know, David's been out uh, taking care of his flock. And, and we'll just, I, I threw all the verses up there, Brian. You'll have to pick and choose to try to find what's there, but, um, uh, you know, David's out doing his duty, doing his job, protecting his flock, playing the role of shepherd and doing it well. Um, His brothers are away at war. The Israelites are at war with the Philistines. David gets sent to take some food along to his brothers. Um, And we know the story. Let's pick up with verse 40. Then, this is after David's done talking to King Saul, David has decided... Everybody's afraid of the giant. This does not stand to reason in David's eyes one bit whatsoever. Okay? And so David decides he's going to do it. Saul tries to give David his armor. Remember, another man's armor is not going to fit you. Okay? Don't play another man's game. Play the game God gave you. So, verse 40. Then he took a staff in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went in front of him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I'll make roadkill 
out of you. This is sort of like the preamble. Um, I don't watch professional wrestling, okay? Uh, that's not my thing, but sometimes there's a little bit of, uh, I believe we call this talking smack, okay? Goliath is uh, putting down David in front of the whole entire army. I'm going to make roadkill out of you. Verse 45, this is important. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies, take note of that, not army of Israel, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly will know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. You know the rest of the story. But you know what? I want to read one more verse. Verse 48. So it was, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David turned and ran away from Goliath. No way. David hurried, quickened his pace, and ran toward what in our natural eyes would look like certain destruction. Okay? So, here we go. If you're familiar with the chapter, everybody's afraid. Remember when David got into camp, you know, what's going on? How is it this uncircumcised Philistine is, is, is making a mockery of the army of Israel, is making a mockery of our God? Nobody else is talking about God. Not Saul, not David's brothers, not the Israelite army. Nobody's talking about God. No one discusses God, except for David. David discusses no one but God. When they talk about the giant, David talks about God. All right? So the subplot appears. You know, it's always, what's, what's the story? David versus Goliath, right? But if you boil it down, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not taking credit for this. If you've never read the book, Cast of Characters, by Max Licato, it is a great book. And I drew this out of there, okay? I want you to know that this isn't just, you know, something that Brad created. I'm not trying to take credit for Max Licato's insight. It's not the idea of David versus Goliath, but it's much deeper than that. It's the idea of God focus versus giant focus, okay? David sees what other people don't see, and David refuses to see what others do, okay? Everybody's eyes, except David's, fall on this brutal, hate-breathing, foul-mouthed hulk, is about the only word I can come up with. This guy was what? Essentially eight feet, six inches tall? Who makes a mockery of God? Who makes a mockery of the, of, of the Israelites? Do you ever feel like some days you spend the bulk of your time around hate-breathing, foul-mouthed people? Okay? Remember, you're not at war with them. We'll get back to that in a minute, okay? Everything that Goliath says is despising of David and Israel, okay? All the journals, 
all the blogs, all the news stories are focused on this big Neanderthal. Much like today, look at the news. Everybody's journals, everybody's blogs, everybody's news stories, all the conversations, most of the conversations. What are people talking about? The state of the economy, the state of politics in our nation, the state of our government. Okay? So far, everybody knows what Goliath is saying and making fun. They know what Goliath's demands are. They know how big he is, and they know how he can strut. Okay? But, David looks at it differently. All right? Everybody's majoring in Goliath. Everybody's majoring in Goliath. By the way, I thought this would be a neat part, and I was... I get distracted sometimes, or my mind goes in different directions on tangents. Ask the youth group, they'll tell you. Okay. I thought, you know what would be interesting? I wanted to look up, I did a search for strange college majors, all right? Everybody's majoring in Goliath. I thought that was a little odd. So I looked at a, at a few things, uh, top college majors. Uh, according to a few lists, I put some together. Uh, do you know that you can major at some universities in comic book art? Bakery science. You can take a degree, and I just met a guy a couple months ago whose son took a, got a degree in golf course management and lives somewhere in Georgia and makes a nice living. He got a degree in golf course management, okay? You can get a degree in adventure recreation. Professional nanny. Astrobiology. Retail floristry, master ranching. I thought this was interesting. This was somewhere in Indiana. You could get a degree in bowling industry management. Mm-hmm. Yep. And do you know that the state universities of New York have degrees in Canadian studies? You can major in your neighbors to the north. And at Carnegie Mellon, this was the oddest one that I found, at Carnegie Mellon, because the fact that their founder being Andrew Carnegie, who was a Scotsman who had a love for the bagpipes, you can major in bagpipes at Carnegie Mellon University. So there you have it. All right. Underwater basket weaving, pick your major, okay? Pick your class. But David is not majoring in Goliath. David is not majoring in this economy. My problem is, sometimes I think I read too much, and I watch the news too much, and I listen to news talk too much, and I major in all the wrong things, okay? David majors in God. David sees the giant, but David sees God even more so. So, what's your problem this morning, all right? God's all around us, right? You know, it's like the old thing with the quarter. This quarter is my problem. What's my problem? All right, if God's all around me, high, low, in every direction, I should be able to see God just fine, right? My problem. Name it. Family relationships? What's that? Oh, my, yeah, my problem is I'm fucking <laughs> Okay. Focus larger. I would say I should focus... My problem is also not being very smart if I'm focusing on quarters, but um, whatever my problem is that I'm focusing on, whether it's family problems, whether it's career issues, uh, name it. What, 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 what problems do people have? Um, you know, 
addictions. People face problems with so many different things, but, all right, uh, somebody at work gave me a hard time. If I hold my problem so close to me, right in front of my eyes, guess what I don't see? I don't see God, okay? All I see is my problem. However, when I hold it in proper perspective and focus, my problem is a lot smaller than what God is, okay? David sees the giant, but David sees God, all right? Verse 45, look at that. David said, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, I'm going to get back to this now. I said earlier about armies of Israel. He didn't say the army of Israel. He said the armies. Now, me, I look around. I'm David. I see army, okay? I don't see armies, but not David. David says armies, David is looking on a larger picture. David sees platoons of angels. David sees companies of saints. David sees the weapons of wind. David sees the forces of the earth. Okay? God, for Moses, pelleted an army that was opposing them with hail, right? God shook down the walls of Jericho for Joshua. God stirred thunder up for Samuel. David sees the armies of God. And because he does, in verse 48 we pointed out, David ran toward the enemy. David ran toward the Philistine army to face the giant. Now, what do you think David's brothers are doing right about now while we're talking about family and Thanksgiving and all the issues of interpersonal relationships and getting along and functioning with families? What do you think David's brothers are doing right now? Do you think maybe they're covering their eyes? You know, David's the youngest, you know. Do you think they're kind of like, oh, he's going to get it. He's going to get squashed, you know. It wouldn't be in a funny way. It would be in a way of horror, you know. I would not want to see my little brother get slaughtered by some huge giant, okay. Or do you think maybe they're covering their eyes in one of these deals? Oh, my goodness, I can't believe he's such an idiot, you ever do that at a family event? Can't believe I'm related to these people. Oh, you've thought it. Don't act like you haven't. Okay. Do you think Saul is just watching this and going, oh, it's just another one of my armies going to get cut to pieces? Some kid with a big heart, you know? is Goliath throwing his head back in laughter with a big belly shake, laughing at this guy, this young man, good-looking kid in the Bible. You know, the ruddy complexion, the dark, you know, that that tan thing going on. You know, David was supposed to be a good-looking guy, you know, all right? But he's half Goliath's size, probably. Do you think Goliath is throwing his head back and getting a good belly laugh out of this little kid who's not wearing armor coming at him, who has shield, sword, javelin, spear? Do you think maybe he throws his head back just enough to expose a little bit of his forehead under his helmet that David sees a target? You know the story. David takes one of the five stones that he pulled out of the brook. Sling, sling, sling. Boom. 
between the eyes, on the forehead, wherever it hits right there, takes him out. Not only that, but David stands over him, takes his head off with a sword. <laughs> In the words of Max Lucado, you might say that David knew how to get ahead of his giant. <laughs> Not my words. Not my words. But when was the last time that we did the same thing? How long has it been since we have run toward a challenge that we face? People in flesh tend to retreat. Some people duck behind a desk load of work. Some people crawl into a nightclub of distraction. Some people crawl into a relationship of forbidden love. And for a moment, a day, a weekend, a year, people, us, we, and whatever things that we do for the sake of escapism, we feel safe, we feel insulated. We feel like we're anesthetized, if I got that word right. Again, I'm not a medical person. But then what happens? Work runs out. Liquor wears off. The lover leaves. And again we hear Goliath's voice booming, loud, making a mockery of us. So, we should try a different tack. Instead, we should rush the giant with a soul that's been saturated by God. Giant of divorce, you're not getting into my house. Giant of depression, it may take a lifetime, but depression is not going to conquer me. Okay. Giant of alcohol, bigotry, child abuse, insecurity, you name it, you're going down. How long has it been since you've taken a sling and taken a swing at whatever it is that the giant that you're facing. Too long? You hear the bells? I hear bells downstairs. The kids are practicing. Has it been too long since you've put a stone in your sling and taken a swing at it? And you know what? There's always room for one more with the bells. We have plenty of extra bells if anybody else wants to join in with the crowd. Okay? But David is a great go-to model. And you can say, yeah, David had lots of character flaws, and that's all right, because I do, and I'm sure you might have one or two also, okay? David is your go-to person. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. I'm going to spin over to it. Acts 13, 22. Listen to this. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, you know the phrase, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Do you know that nobody else got this moniker but David? Nobody else got this name. Not Abraham, who was willing to lay down his son and sacrifice his son. Not Moses, who received the law, who spent time, who saw the trailing end of God's glory. Not Joseph, 
You see what I'm saying here? Paul. Paul was called an apostle, right? John was called the beloved. But none of these people were called a man after my own heart. I don't get it. What's God seeing David? David fell up as often as he stood up. He fell down, excuse me. Get my words wrong. David fell down as often as he stood up. Okay? David stumbled as often as he conquered. David stared down Goliath and he ogled Bathsheba and stared when he should have ran away. David defied God mockers in the valley but then wound up joining them in the wilderness. One day, Eagle Scout. Next day, Mafia. He sure could lead an army though, couldn't he? David could lead in battle. Could he manage his family? Not a chance. Raging David? Weeping David? Bloodthirsty David? Having Uriah whacked to try to cover up his affair? That was a mafia term, by the way. Whacked. Just wanted to throw that out there. Bloodthirsty man? God-hungry man. Eight wives, one God. A man after God's own heart? Well, I'll tell you what. If God saw him as such, then there's hope for the rest of us too, and there's hope for me. All right? There's hope for the rest of us. We've got to get off the pity cushion. All right? We sit in our little pity chair, in our little pity corner, and we want to beat ourselves up. I can't do this. God can't do this for me. Um, I'm so bad. There's no grace for me. I'm a screw up. David's life has very little to offer the person who is unstained. Okay? The unstained saint, David doesn't have much for you. If you're a straight-A soul, you find the story of David very disappointing, I think. But you and me, I think we could find it very reassuring. We're on the same roller coaster. One moment, for those of you who are into video games, we're missing most of our youth group here this morning. One moment, it's the swan dive like Laura Croft does. The next moment, it's a fat guy doing a belly flop. All right? And it's a huge fail. The kids like to use the term fail all the time when something goes wrong. Epic fail, right, Ethan? Yeah. yeah. One moment, we're liver pate. The next moment, we're burnt toast. Okay. I threw liver pate out there because Steph made chopped liver the other week, and it was so good. And that's my favorite thing that she makes, but I won't go into that. Okay. At his best, David was no better. Excuse me. At his best, no one was better than David. But at his bad moments... Could any be, be much worse than David? God loved the heart of a guy who had a checkered heart. But you and I need to have David's story. There are giants that lurk in our neighborhoods and that are making fun of what it is we're doing and where it is we're going. Rejection, failure, revenge, remorse, for things that we've done or should have done, 
It's like the fight card from Friday night at the Blue Horizon, Jose. It's a boxing analogy that I know Jose would appreciate. In the main event, you got Joe, the decent guy, versus the fraternity from Animal House. Okay? I got another one. How about this? Weighing in at 110 pounds, Susie, the checkout girl, is going to go toe-to-toe with jerks who take and break her heart. All right? <laughs> or you could, do your, you could do your announcer voice. In this corner, how about tenuous marriage of Jason and Patricia? I'm just throwing names out here. In the opposing corner, a challenger from the state of confusion, a homewrecker called distrust in a young marriage. Giants. We have to face giants. We all have our giants. We're either beating them or we're losing to them, okay? But we are not alone. Focus first, focus most on God. I lost my quarter. I got my guitar pick. It's about the same size, okay? First on God, most on God. Putting the problem in perspective, we see that the problem does not compare to the size of God. Hold it close, focus on it. That's all I see is my orange pick, okay? All I'm seeing. Right there's my quarter laying right in front of my nose, okay? When David did focus on God, giants fell. The days that didn't, the days that David didn't focus, David fell. Pure and simple. All right, here's something to try. You try this at home. I'm going to ask you a few questions. All right. 1 Samuel 17. If you list all the observations that David made concerning Goliath, I found two. Okay? Verse 36. I've got to get back here. Got to get back here. Got to get back here. I was still in Acts. 1 Samuel 17, verse 36. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. All right? And I think in verse 26, was it? David spoke to the man who stood by him, the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David didn't ask what Goliath's degree was. He didn't ask what his skill level was. He didn't ask how old he was, what job he had, and he didn't ask for Goliath's tattoo. Okay? David didn't ask how much the spear weighed. He didn't ask about the size or the density of the shield. Okay? Or he also didn't ask about the meaning of the two tribal tattoos with the, with the barbed wire around both his guns. Okay? Around the arm and bicep. David didn't focus on any of these things. Okay? David is giving a lot of thought to God. Now... Read those verses again. If you look at 26 and 36, you see David focuses in the tail end there on the armies of the living God. Verse 45, the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Verse 46, the Lord will deliver you into my hand that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. So, do you remember last week when I talked about preach what you practice, not practice what you preach? All right, this is what I'm talking about here. Verse 47, the Lord doesn't save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord, and He will give you into our hands. Nine references in total we see here in chapter 17 that David makes 
to God. So, David's God thoughts outnumber David's Goliath thoughts nine to two. Four times as many, a little more than four times as many. How does this compare to ours? In an honest reflection, I fall sickeningly short. Do you think about God's grace four times as much as you think about your guilt in a situation? Is my list of blessings four times longer than my list of complaints? By the way, everybody who's doing the Facebook 30 Days of Blessing things, I think that's kind of neat. I think that's very positive. I think that's good. Keep it rolling, okay? But is your mental file of hope four times as thick as your mental file of dread or worry? Are we four times as likely to describe God's strength as we are to describe the demands of our day? I've been doing a lot of whining and crying lately about what... And I don't spend enough time talking about strength that comes from God. David's our man. One thing that I never noticed before about any of this, and again, this is Lucado's insight, not my own. Nowhere in David's narrative is there a mention of a miracle. I never considered that thought anywhere ever before. There's no Red Sea opening up. There's no flaming chariot. There's no dead Lazarus coming to life. No miracles except one. David, rough-edged, walking wonder of God who puts the neon light on this truth. If we focus on our giants, we stumble. If we focus on God, our giants stumble. So this morning, lift up your eyes, be a giant slayer. The God who made a miracle out of David wants to make a miracle out of you. So what's your giant this morning? I'm going to ask you to stand up with me as we close this out. What is your giant this morning? I can name a few. How about you? Then let's start talking about our God. And let's start to preach what we practice. That's where the miracle is going to happen for us, friends. That's where the miracle is going to happen for us. Let's pray.